0: Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, with co-host Tim Langer. Today's episode, we'll be talking about online programming for strength and fitness and combining strength conditioning uh, with physical therapy and the aspect of clinic care. Today's guest is Teddy Woolsey. Founder, founder of healthy, sorry, founder of Healthy Baller PT, Citizens Athletics online training and rehab temp, uh, templates app, and Limber, a digital healthcare solution app targeted towards corporate wellness and workplace initiatives. He's also, or Teddy Wilson, is also a powerlifter, strength enthusiast, former strength coach for four years before he entered physical therapy school. Teddy, welcome to the show, bud.
1: Thanks for having me. Good to be on. Of
0: course, of course, of course. So, Teddy, talk to us. How did you get to where you're at right now?
1: Oh man. A, a lot of different stuff, a lot of different experiences along the way. But, you know, it all kind of started with just a love for fitness and a love for strength training. And that was really my initial introduction to to the gym and and just being passionate about what I do. Um, so I played high school football, and I was really into strength training at that point in time and into training in general. After a couple shoulder dislocations and a labrum surgery, I decided Uh, That wasn't going to be for me to play college football. And so instead, I decided to go pursue learning more about strength conditioning with an exercise science degree and also wanting to go to PT school at the same time, because unfortunately, I was in and out of physical therapist offices when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And um, that just one thing kind of led to another. The one big, I would say, block in my career, which ended up being a blessing in disguise, was that my grades weren't really good enough to get into PT school right away. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I really started to fall in love more with strength and conditioning. So I decided to at least put PT school on hold. And I think becoming a strength coach and doing that for years before going to PT school was the best thing I could have done for my career. And, uh, you know, at this point in time now, I kind of do a little bit of everything I'm a jack of all trades to a certain extent, but I think that with the the knowledge of you know what goes on in the gym in performance settings as well as rehabilitation is what has allowed me to um, do what I do now and kind of create this this unique uh, physical therapy practice that I that I own now and run.
0: And you know, you you decided to um, well, I guess I can, everything played out to where you were gonna you basically went all in into the strength training uh, process and strength training uh, industry, uh, which kind of, like you mentioned, basically built up a great foundation so that when you went into uh, PT school, uh, a lot of the stuff that you had learned as a strength coach and all of those elements and philosophies, you basically just embedded it into uh, rehab and uh, sports medicine, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the big shortcomings of physical therapy school and the kind of medicalized approach to education that they give is when you get out and you're working with athletes, you don't really know what the hell to do with them Mm -hmm. because you haven't been taught that side of things. You know, you don't know about really how to help an athlete with a hamstring pull. You barely learn hamstring exercises to begin with. You know, the hamstring is a late girl and that's about it. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of nuance to, you know, in physical therapy school, you spend a year and a half, learning about gait pattern but you never talk about sprinting you only talk about right. walking and so there's just a, a large void that having a strength and conditioning background can really help to fill
0: do you recommend uh i mean do you recommend that therapists uh either have some type of certification or maybe just some type of experience whether it's uh an online course or maybe some courses they do uh, outside of school or maybe uh, possibly like a mentorship under a strength coach to uh, basically build up this foundation that you were able to create, or it just depends on what a demographic, what popu- population they want to work with.
1: Well, I, I mean, the answer is yes and yes. I mean, it you know, it obviously depends on what population you're working with, and and that's an important part of this because the reality is, you know, half of physical therapists aren't working with athletes, and mm-hmm. I, I think that sometimes uh, people in the U.S. or, or wherever they just kind of think that all physios do is help help others with pain but the reality there's a, there's a lot of physios that are in hospitals in neurological rehab they're helping people to move and get their lives back and regain their mobility and with that they don't necessarily need the athletic background but mm-hmm. when you're working with athletes and the other thing you suggested you know you were like you know certification and then you kind of hit the nail on the head a mentorship is the best possible option because that's an opportunity to actually learn in person to actually see what's going on in the gym And that's where, you know, just like when you're in a a clinical for whether it's physical therapy or occupational or a lot of, there's a lot of other kind of medical professions that have clinicals. That's where you really learn the actual practical piece that you're going to put into practice. And that's where a mentorship can be extremely helpful.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, they say I even for myself, when I went through my master's in uh, athletic training, a lot of the learning that we got or a lot of the learning that I got most mm-hmm. of was on the field or with the coaches or with right, right. Uh, the actual uh, athletic trainers themselves. I mean, you learn the book stuff just to kind of have some idea of what's going on. But most of the uh, nuggets, uh, if you will, happen on the field in the trenches. Um for someone looking for a mentorship, or maybe wanting to get into this path of, you know, maybe they've been with the trad- traditional PT clinic, uh, but really like the sports side. Maybe they don't want to work with like professional athletes, but they want to work with like uh, weekend warriors, people that just work out consistently and want to make sure that not only they stay active and they help and healthy, but they can manage a lot of those injuries. What are some things uh, as a therapist or PT? Uh, or even athletic trainer, someone who wants to build their education on this, what's a, what's a good way to either approach somebody for a mentorship or uh, get some more information?
1: Yeah, so there's kind of two pathways there. You know, if you're approaching somebody for a mentorship, it's it's going to start with just facilitating that relationship from the beginning. And so, you know, i I would suggest to really try to build a network within the area that you live in. So if you're in, you know, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, we have a ton of colleges in um, in addition to University of Maryland and, and bigger schools. We have got like Howard, George Washington, George Mason, American University, all these smaller schools. These schools all have strength and addition coaches. All of these coaches or a lot of them, and I know a lot of them, they would be receptive to a young, interested, hungry person coming to shadow, coming to hang out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the biggest, the most important thing, and it's easy for me to reach out to people because I have an Instagram following and and I have this platform that it allows me to be like, Hey, what's going on? And, they, and they'll respond.
0: Mm-hmm. But the
1: reality is I used to be just like these other young 22 year olds that are trying to figure out where they're going to go. And I did those cold emails and I reached out to people and shadowed them. And that was, that's the way you got to do it, man. And it's not always pretty, but sometimes you just have to put yourself out there, email people. You know, uh, Eric Cressy had a funny post he put up a couple weeks ago, where he gave a, a template of how to reach out to a coach. And he was like, look, <laughs> you email the person you say he was like, don't tell them your life story. <laughs> First of all, don't email them. A, don't email them an essay. But tell them one thing that you appreciate about the work that they do. Tell them one thing that you one piece of content that uh, you wrote that that inspired them in a way give them like two quick lines tell them one line about yourself, like, I'm this, and then say, would love to come shadow sometime." you know, it's like, just reaching out, I have so many people that reach out to me, and they give me these long spiels. And it's, it's easier sometimes to just respond to something that's a little bit more uh, well written and succinct. But -hmm. that's what you got to do, man, you just got to put yourself out there and try to connect with others. And that's the mentorship side of it. And then the other side of it is, trying to find your tribe on the internet and tra- and then going to those courses and, and go and getting into continue education and, you know, really educating yourself that way. Because the reality is whether you do a master's in athletic training, uh, a bachelor's in exercise science and, you know, a PT degree, they're not going to prepare you for this specialty that we do for this mm-hmm. kind of in between this movement, strength, training, mobility function. They're not going to prepare you for that. So you have to learn and you have to teach yourself and the internet's the best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Tim Rowland is a physio in Australia and he started physio network about two years ago and he reached out to me, uh, asked if I wanted to be a regular contributor and author. And at that point, I'd already written one peer review paper for an NSCA journal, and uh, I, I really do enjoy writing. It's not really what I do on Instagram. It's, you know, Instagram is more kind of video content, but I was like, hey, this is a good way for, selfishly, for me to have a subscription to this journal that there's 12 article reviews every month, and it makes me kind of stay fresh because I have to really pick apart an article a month, which kind of adds up, and so... um mm-hmm. So yeah, man, so we do, so it's a, it's a physical therapy based journal, but it's an article review. We're sanctioned by the British journal of sports medicine. Um, it's, it's not just for physical therapists though. Like if you're a, if you're, I mean, especially for you, Andy, or like, uh, even a strength coach, somebody that mm-hmm. is working with people that are helping them to function, helping them work through pain a little bit here and there. I think there's a lot of benefit to it. And we also like, for example, the article that I did last month was all about, the strength deficits that athletes have after injuries and how important mm. it is to continue to power train and to train and to work on maximal strength and these these physical qualities that are kind of a neurological-based summation of force quality. Uh, the article that I read was all about the markers that we see in post-injury up to two, three years after ACL, for example. So these mm. So these concepts are really important that we talk about they're really important not only for physical therapists but for strength coaches and anybody else really because mm-hmm. you know injury is part of the human experience it's part of sport and uh everybody gets injured at some point in time
0: so your role in the physical network is to uh break down the the article or the literature and then kind of give your points or do you write an article about the or are you write a like a summary of what you read and your key points out of it is that is that how it works
1: Yeah. So there's the 12 articles each month. I'm writing one of them. And what they are is a review of a research article. So, you know, you might take a 10 or 15 page article and condense it down to one and a half pages. Yeah. And so we're talking, we're talking about the, the, you know, I'm one thing I'm looking at is the, the methods of the study. How, how was this data actually acquired? Is this something that maybe the conclusions of the study aren't quite what we think they are. And there are some articles that I review that I'm like, Hey, this article is awesome. This is really contributing to our knowledge base. And there are other articles where I'm like, this was kind of crappy. And I thought that they shortchanged us a little bit and we need to keep looking into this subject. So it's, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to review them as honestly as possible.
0: Um, how often or not how, often, how long have you been, uh, Doing these, these articles and these reviews? Two years. Oh, two years. Wow. Do you see yourself being a part of this group for, for a while?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned uh, a part of the, the, about the mentorship and Cressy's uh, post, which I actually saw. Um, <laughs> Brett. Uh, Brett Pertholomew, he actually has a podcast that I recently listened to with Danny Matei, and he spoke about the same thing, that a lot of people tend to reach out to him uh, for favors, right? For like, Hey, can you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so can we meet up? And one of the things he mentioned would you ha- hit it on the head as well was, uh, he would reach out to people. He'd say like, uh, Hey, I read your, for example, in this case, and they're reaching out to you, Teddy's like, Hey, I just read your review on this article. Um, I just have a couple of questions as far as, you know, about these two points, you know, if you can elaborate a little bit more or, uh, you know, answer maybe one or two questions that I have, uh, you know, I, I, I respect your time. Uh, thank you very much for all the everything that you uh, post on social media, you know, and everything you do with physical uh, network. Boom. Instead of just yeah. saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. Uh, Can we talk?
1: Right. <laughs> like exactly.
0: People. Showing some uh, initiative that you've obviously understand, understand where this person is coming from, understand some of the information. that Because a lot of people, right, a lot of people not only on social media have information, free information, information. Um, already put out because a lot of people have these uh, questions and have had these similar um, suggestions. So uh, a lot of people, when they reach out to people and they're asking these questions, like, Hey, you know, I have a whole like 10 posts talking about (laughs) this, you know, look at that before and then come back to me. And most people don't look at that or they have a free ebook or they have like an article, a blog on their website. Um, You know, one of those things that it's, it could be uncomfortable times when you reach out is to do a little bit of the research right before you uh, reach out to this person. That I mean, it's not like for example, like you, Teddy. You have two businesses. You have a social media presence. You have other stuff going on, family and all that stuff. It's not like uh, you have like time to be like okay, right, let to right. attend to everyone but if you know like to what you said like if you have someone that's really showing initiative you know encouraging the fact that they've read a lot of stuff that you've had and they have a couple questions you're more inclined to be like okay let me give this person uh, a few minutes you never know who that might be you never know who you might talk to but um you're showing that initiative um and like you said showing that courage you know stepping out uh uh, to grab uh, the fruit at the end of that limb right that's where really yeah. where people start yeah. to build most of their um, education uh, and network like you mentioned
1: yeah like uh, one of the yeah, most ahead. important things with a correspondence is okay where do we go from here like mm-hmm. wh- what's how do we take action cuz sometimes people will say i just want to pick your brain and it's like you know that's people pay me money per hour to pick my brain. It's called physical therapy. And I, and I you know, and I, I consult people. Uh, it's not I'm not just fixing people with my hands or with an exercise. Sometimes I'm giving them advice, you mm-hmm. know, and literally, I've had some people I'm sure you have the same Andy, we're like, mm-hmm. we spend half our session talking. And that's actually the most beneficial thing for them. Uh, so yeah, so our brains, you know, you get to a point in your career, man, where your your brain has a price on it. And it, um, you know, Especially when you start to think about, oh, this is an hour less time that I'm going to spend with my family. Like if I spend Mm -hmm. an hour on the phone with this person in the middle of the day, that doesn't mean that I have less emails to answer that day or I'm just going to not work as much that day. So Mm -hmm. then it's like I'm working later. So, yeah, no, it's, it's always a challenge. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I would advise people on is and I mentioned the local schools, like finding people around you. Don't always try to. You don't have to reach out to the person that like has the most followers, or the person mm-hmm. that you know. There's a lot of people that have uh, a ton of knowledge and they like meeting up with others and communicating, but they're just not necessarily putting content out there. So you have to realize that the person that's putting a ton of content out there, they're probably stretched a little more thin too. So that's mm-hmm. always, that's a challenge too.
0: Uh, it's it's uh, it's you hit it right on Hannah's ball. I mean, having that local. It's very easy to, uh, reach out to someone and DM and hope they write back. It's lot right, right. harder to, uh, make the time locally to, to find those people. And a lot of times, like you said, there's a lot of people that have a whole wealth of information and don't like Instagram or social media and don't post, uh, doesn't mean they're any, they're any less uh, credible than that person. Yeah. Um, what was I say? One, media. Of the, one of the guys, yeah,
1: one of the, uh, one of the coaches at my, at our gym, healthy baller, uh, he was telling me about, so he did a internship with the Washington mystics, the uh, WNBA team here. And while working with the mystics, he was in the same building as, uh, my friend and, and business partner, co-owner of healthy baller, who's the head strength coach for the Washington wizards. Mm. So, so this guy, so today, so Zay's 24 years old he's working at healthy baller now as a as a strength and conditioning coach and the way that he got connected to healthy baller was he reached out to all these different strength coaches for the wnba and the nba and just wanted to like just ask them like a question like just like trying to network a little bit and he got in with somebody then that's how he met blair and so it's like in blair's the head strength coach for the wizards and so then he ends up getting this job and it's the perfect example of how to do networking correctly because he didn't try to just reach out to like the person that had the most followers or the person he just, he was more looking at like people that had positions. And, you know, if you go on a, a college's website or you got like, you can find people's email addresses. You can find people, you know, and that's, if you really want to learn and you come prepared with questions that show that you've already been thinking about this and you're not expecting somebody to just kind of like, populate your brain with ideas but rather like bounce ideas back and forth then that can create a much more you know a a much better case for connecting with coaches and networking and that can lead to great things sometimes
0: you mentioned something about uh the fact that you talk, you know, 20, 30 minutes with the patient and obviously that is because uh, a lot of people, when they think about physical therapy or treatment or rehab, they think about, okay, what exercise is he going to show me? What's he going what instrument is he going to use? What right, technique right. is he going to use? Uh, or they, it's not just obviously men. Um, talk about a little bit more of this uh, conversation that you're having. We've talked about a lot on this podcast of mm-hmm. uh, lifestyle modifications, training intensities, um, Changing the conversation you're having with yourself, sometimes uh, understanding why pain's is happening, uh, you know, just a mental aspect of not only the rehab section but also getting back into or post injury, uh, basically journey. What are some of the things that you tend to talk to about? You tend to talk about with uh, with patients on a more frequent uh, admin schedule.
1: Yeah, so you know, I, I like to talk to patients. So let's say you have somebody in pain, and they're like a lifter. That's a mm-hmm. kind of a cliche example but it's it's helpful to talk to people not only about what they can add because they they come to us to add you know they want to they want to add another treatment modality they want to add a therapeutic exercise they want to add a glute movement to increase their activation or whatever but sometimes you have to take away and you can't be the 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 doctor that just says don't lift weights you know you -hmm. you have to take away in an intelligent manner and talk to them about load management and intensity and, you know, those things you mentioned. But in order to do that, the only way that you can really help them in the long term is by starting to really get into these ideas of uh, how to set up your training and how how to track what you're doing a little bit and have a method to your madness. And so I think for some people, they will come to me with the idea that we're just going to add and we're just going to mm-hmm. do more stuff, but, and, and also the idea that, Oh, Teddy lifts, he, he gets it. He's not going to tell me to not lift. And, and it's like, I do get it. And I don't tell people to not lift and I'm pretty damn good at training around injury and, and figuring out ways to continue to train. And I show people how to do that. But at the same time, once I can do that with them and get them to buy in, I have to make sure that they're doing things correctly, that they're, Listening to their body, that they're auto regulating, and like you mentioned too, that they kind of understand the complex nature of pain and how that pain is not always something that should necessarily stop them in their tracks, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think that those conversations are sometimes, and that maybe this is maybe my my bias a little bit, but I think that sometimes those conversations are the the most important thing that I can offer people in the long run.
0: you said a very Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead,
1: Tim. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, so that's like a whole nother, you know, (laughs) when, when I wrote that post, it was more kind of targeted towards some of the, some of the athletes that I see that, uh, they'll get really poor advice from their doctors or they'll think, you know, telling them to, Hey, you're in a boot for six weeks. Don't do anything. Or they'll get, or they'll get, uh, you know, kind of discouraged and they just will kind of shut it down altogether. And that can lead to further injury down the road. And, you know, this is a concept that I've uh, talked about quite a bit in some of the like talks and courses that I've done where, I'm like, you know, are people injury prone or are, or do they just kind of get caught in this injury re-injury cycle? Because once you get injured once, certain parts of your body start to maladapt or detrain. Mm-hmm. So if you come back from your ACL, you're going to be more likely to pull your hamstring. And you see that all the time. And then once you have that hamstring and you're back from that, it's even longer and it's even longer since you've been doing stuff and maybe you have to kind of shut it down even more. So then you're more likely to pull your hip flexor on your other side or, you know, there's kind of this, like uh, this rolling uh, snowball down the hill effect where it just gets larger and larger and more things can compile when we allow people to completely detrain. So uh, I think it's, I think it's essential to find some way to continue to challenge people and, It can help to speed up their recovery timeline uh quite a bit as well
0: you said a a very important word uh that i don't think many people caught on which is buy-in that might be two words um (laughs) that that a lot of people you know you mentioned a lot of people are looking to add you know what can i add to my routine to make it better what can i add to this so that i can recover faster what can i add to this so my pain goes away uh and, and a principle that you talked about was regression for progression. And you know, a lot of times, maybe mm-hmm. bringing down intensity, but keeping it, keeping yourself moving or bringing down uh, loads in order that, you know, so that uh, tension or sorry, so tissue can heal and all that stuff. But what you mentioned is the buy in, that conversation before you even talking about what you're about to add is understanding, hey, this is where you're at right now. Uh, and these are the things that we're, that you're doing right now that might be helping some of the things that are not helping, uh, basically creating this journey, visual, a visual journey for the patient or client or the, whoever you're working with understands where you're going. I think a lot of times, I know for me earlier on, it was kind of like a, a mad scientist, right? Someone would come to me. It was kind of like playing chess. I'm um, trying to figure out, okay, this is a problem shoulder, this, this, this kind of in my head, uh, calculating what I wanted to do. Um, but not really verbalizing or demonstrating or somehow giving the patient or the person i'm working with an idea of how i want this to play out you know and, and a lot of people think uh, i know at least i was speaking for myself earlier on i i would think okay if i tell this person something let's say hey i want to uh, we're gonna be doing this for three to four weeks um that it was like set in stone that if i for whatever reason went out of that road it was a problem so it would it would I would lose credibility. But in, in reality, when you create this this plan or this journey, for the most part, there are going to be some progressions, some regressions along the way. So there's, there's going to be some uh, changes along the way, which doesn't reduce any credibility on your end. But what I found is the more I'm able to clarify and to really picture. I mean, I'm looking at my whiteboard here in the offices, and I use this for every patient. You know, they come in. I... Put, um, there's writing and scribbles all over this whiteboard. So by the end of the uh, initial session, even almost every session, the patient understands where we're at, where we're going, and where we want to uh, go. And I think for a lot of people and for a lot of patients, it really gives them the almost the peace of mind of like, okay, I know where I'm, I'm doing. I'm not just following blindly on uh, what this practitioner is doing. But not only is he helping me with certain exercises, or maybe there's certain things that I need to modify um, or intensities or loads or whatever that uh, it may be, but Giving What I found is giving this visual um, perspective and visual journey uh, or just an, an outline of what, what they should expect creates that buy-in, creates that, that trust early on so that when you do tell them, hey, listen, instead of working out five, seven times a week, we're going to break it down to three, make those three really quality and start to progress uh, even more. Because the last thing they want is when they come to see someone and say, hey, we're gonna, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do this. And like you mentioned, a lot of doctors, because they don't know that strength and conditioning background, uh, they just say, hey, no squats, uh, no this, and see you in three weeks. Right, you know right. what I mean? So that, that uh, word or two words, I don't, I'm not even sure if that's one or two words, buy-in is super important. And I think it's one of the most uh, potent things we can really leverage when working with people, whether clients or patients.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, I, you, you have your own practice, right? You work for yourself. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, so you and I are one in the same in in that, right. And it's the buy-in and all that is extremely important too, because not only does it help our patients to see what we're going to do and start to understand, but it also helps us to retain the business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we can't retain their business, then we can't help them and so there's you know i think that creating buy-in and and helping people to see what the path is going to be is extremely it's extremely important um you know it's also it helps with your thought process too because mm-hmm. as you as you continue to grow in this field and you see more and more people and more and more cases and you see similarities amongst them and you learn you know there's we don't have a 100% success rate uh nobody right. nobody does in medicine and health and fitness and um you you look back and you learn from those mistakes and you're like okay well what can i do a little bit differently could i maybe for that person i should have spelled this out a little bit more to help prepare them for those those ebbs and flows you know and so
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i think that that's a, a extremely important and uh that's something that i've so i was uh fortunate enough to be able to bring in a um I have two other PTs that work with me and uh, we brought in our second PT in August. Uh, Her name's Alyssa and uh, Simone's and she's doing great. And that's a big, so I mentor her. We, we meet every week and I just kind of, we talk to, we talk about her cases and her patients and uh, challenging, you know, different challenges that she's had uh, areas and room for growth uh, goals, et cetera, et cetera. And it's her first job fresh out of PT school and that's one big thing that I've emphasized with her is, hey, you need to, you know, not only is this a, a PT practice, but it's also your own personal business. And when you get these clients or these patients in the door, in order to keep them there, in order to help them as much as you know you can, you need to outline a plan and make sure that they, you know, they buy into it. Um, And yeah, it's it's extremely essential. Do you guys do like packages or, or that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, I call them programs. because yeah. Packages. uh, I don't know, I feel like programs has a more, I know, it goes with the whole like journey. Package kind of seems yeah. like, okay, you have these sessions available and you use them whenever. A program kind of insinuates like, hey, this is what we're going to be working on for a good amount of time. And there's a goal at the end. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, we have uh, programs right, right. that we have available.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and it all kind of goes together with the um, the business of this, as well as how to help people. Cause you, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't come in, you can't help them.
0: <laughs> yeah. They have to see the value. And you know? then they, exactly. they're, they're, they're used to uh, being sold maintenance things and Hey, uh, come back in two weeks, come back in two weeks. When you have uh, someone that's really gives them, Hey, listen, this is what's going on. This is what we can do to help you. This is, these are your goals. These are, we're going to hit them. And uh, you know, three to four weeks, we're going to reevaluate uh, and go from there. How'd that sound? And usually they're like, uh that sounds awesome. And then taking pictures of the whiteboard or writing things down or, you know, when you have people, uh, I mean, another portion of a rehab, which tends to because you can be the best practitioner, best clinician of all time. Right. You can have all the techniques, all the philosophy head, you know, hands down. But if the person that you're working with doesn't adhere to what you're saying it's like it never happened right so a, a lot of this kind of like uh, buy-in and whiteboard talk and getting them to to really uh listen to where you're you're or value what you're providing um builds the adherence because if they're for us we don't i don't know about you uh teddy but for us we don't we don't accept insurance and uh, one of the big reasons for that is Um, one, it takes away the headaches, uh, from our side of the business, but also it creates accountability, um, on the, on the person that's working with us, because what we know is if someone pays, they pay attention. If someone, you know, is paying like a $10 copay or whatever it may be, or, you know, a cheap price, they're like, it's just another expense. But when they have to actually pay for something, you know, well, well, well earned or sorry, well, hard, hard earned money uh for something they're gonna pay attention to it so every time they come in and any suggestions you give they're gonna be like okay Andy says this i'm gonna stick to the app or the other training uh training program or the whatever you know suggestions he asks and every time i come in i'm looking to get better i'm not just looking to you know just come in and, and check a box or whatever or fill another uh script um but yeah adherence and buying are super important i know tim has a question you want to go ahead tim
1: Yeah, yeah. So um Citizen Athletics was started with myself and Sam Spinelli. He's the strength therapist on Instagram. And uh we, we got together about a year and a half ago, a little bit more than that, and we were just kind of um yeah, almost two years actually. We were just kind of brainstorming, hey, what can we do to create a, a training product or a system that is uh it's you know, that it's more thoughtful, more wealth more more comprehensive than the average thing that's out there. And it's not just marketing to people saying, Hey, you can lose eight pounds and gain four pounds of muscle in the next six weeks. And it's like, you know, that's not, neither of us are about the quick fix. We're about trying to help people to make changes in their lives. And uh, so that's why we created Citizen Athletics. And, you know, we arrived at the name Citizen Athletics because we wanted to, it to be something that a lot of people felt like they could do. And it wasn't just, some hardcore lifting thing you know so citizen kind of speaks to that uh as well and you know the content that we create and the uh the entire focus of it is really on reaching a lot of different people and having it um try to be more of an inclusive approach to fitness and um our our base program is called sustainable strength and we chose the word sustainable to use in there you know to just to signify really what we're all about, which is not, you know, a a lot of people can work their ass off for eight weeks and try to get in the best shape of their life. But is that sustainable? And if it's not, what did you learn from that experience? All you learned was that fitness was too hard to sustain, which is not a good uh, way to develop your relationship with fitness. So, you know, we've, Mm -hmm. we've, um, we really tried to Uh, bridge that gap a little bit. And, you know, Sam and I both have pretty uh, large followings on Instagram. So we figured a lot of people are following us for rehab content, they're following us to um, better themselves, what better way to try to help these people out and meet them where they're at than with a um, with a training program like this. And so we've expanded it a little bit uh, recently to, to um, offering what we call training support programming as well, which is we have uh rehab templates and, um, kind of form fixes and these other little things that people could, let's say you already do, uh, uh you already have your fitness routine. You go to CrossFit three times a week and you do uh, a home workout once a week. What the training support programming could do would be to offer you a quick 10 or 15 minute routine you could do to improve your knee health three times a week. So it's mm-hmm. an, it's an addition to what you're already doing. So that's, um, that's the other thing that we're offering now, but, but really our base, uh, our base functionality and our business models is uh, centered around a fitness program that is sustainable for people.
0: That's awesome. I mean, what are the biggest issues you find with people looking for online programs or online help?
1: <sighs> to be honest, I, I don't really know how to answer that. Like in terms of the biggest issue, just because I don't follow the hordes of accounts out there that are selling exercise content, you know, I don't mm-hmm. follow all the the people that were on the Bachelor and Bachelorette and have five hundred thousand dollars and now or five hundred thousand followers and now they're uh, they got their nasm certification and now they're selling workout routines. you know right. i I so but that I would say that that is the problem. I just don't see it, so I, I don't really it's hard for me to speak to how vast it is. but
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: we are in a field with a very low barrier to entry. And therefore, uh, you know, you and I both have uh, postgraduate degrees in in what our expertise is. Are uh, you don't need to have a postgraduate degree to be an effective movement practitioner. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless of that, there's there's a lot of people that have no business being, um, you know, influential figures in our field. And there's also a lot. Uh, there's so much. There's so much psychology and so much body image and so many other like really kind of heavy topics that are wrapped into our field in terms of, you know, people are people have anorexia and bulimia and take their own lives because of their own how they feel about themselves and, and fitness and their body image and all that can have a huge impact on that. And so there's a lot of emotion in it. You know, the, the the nutrition people that in our field are they feel very strongly and some of them have had their own issues with eating. And so so when you have all of these serious topics wrapped into it, it it lends itself well to fear, fear fear-based marketing and fear mongering and telling people that there'll be a better version of themselves, but, but doing it in a bad way and, you know, scare tactics and and that sort of those sort of what I would view as predatory marketing. And Mm -hmm. that's, I would say those are kind of the biggest issues. And, you know, you're, you're giving people false promises if you're telling them that they can look like this overnight and, you know, the doctor before and after photos and the there's, you know, the the false promises that that drive the multi-billion-dollar, uh, fit, you know, uh, supplement industry. When the reality is really all you need is like protein and some caffeine, maybe a little creatine, you know. And so, those are the issues that I really see in our field. Is just, uh, everybody wants a piece of it. Everybody's interested, you know. You can't, I can't go to a wedding without somebody asking me something about, you know, their body or something, you know everybody wants the information that we have. And unfortunately there are a lot of folks out there that are willing to divulge that information and have no business doing so.
0: Do you find that the individuals who um, enter your programs with Citizens athletics uh, tend to adhere to them? Um, or is it something that you guys have to constantly have support or resources to kind of keep people on track? Um, and is that something you guys offer?
1: So we have a, so we have an app, and we have an in messaging system within our app, and it allows us to uh, to be available to people, and it, it shoots mm-hmm. the messages directly to uh, my cell phone and Sam's cell phone. So we so we do offer support in that way. In terms of adherence, you know, um, I think it can always be better, but I but right. we have what we have is a good core group of people that have been doing it for a long time, and then we get the people that pop in, pop out you know, but I I think that the core group has grown over time. And I think that there are people out there that would say that it's had a, you know, from what they've told us and feedback that it's had a very positive influence on their lives and their fitness. And that's all we can really ask for. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really cool to get those messages when you, when you can definitively know like, Hey, this person's like, Hey, you really helped me with this. Like, this is this has been a struggle of mine for years, and I feel like I finally started to figure this out. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's really all we want to do for people.
0: For, for someone who's, you know, listening to the podcast and listening to this episode and listening to uh, everything you got going on with Citizen Athletics, what's the best way to start? I know you mentioned a couple of templates, but maybe they're not really sure where to kind of start. Um, and, and, you know, someone that wants to kind of add something to their routine to, like you mentioned, to improve uh, what they're already doing.
1: Sorry, what's what's the best way to do that?
0: Yeah, what's the best way to, you know, they're listening now to the podcast and and they're liking what you're saying as far as with Citizens Athletics. What's the best way to start uh with you guys? Is there I know you mentioned a couple of programs, is there a way, is there, you know, is there one program they should they should do and then work the way uh through the other ones or anything like that in particular?
1: So, it's uh it's it's all spelled out pretty well on the the website citizenathletics.com. Mm-hmm. But um, the the best way is really just to join one of the groups. You know, we have we have three groups on there. There's a higher level strength training, the sustainable strength. Um, there's workouts that are a little bit easier. That's foundational strength. That's a little bit more for the the people that don't want to spend an hour and fifteen minutes and do like heavy squats, but they still want to work work hard.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then um, the training support programming is the one I mentioned with the specific body part templates and uh we add to the training support every month with new programs so like right now i'm working on a, a hip rehab one for next month um so the training supports a, a constantly growing um template or a constantly growing vault of, of workout templates and that sort of stuff but yeah man just just going to the website citizenathletics.com is the easiest way to to uh start to learn more about that
0: tim you had something uh, you want to add Okay. Anything you wanted to talk about real quick? Hello. I
1: wasn't sure if I wasn't sure if you're asking me that or Tim.
0: No, Tim. Tim. Who? No. Well, anyways, add another. uh, As far as you you were talking about social media presence, um, how how do you find that has impacted healthcare now? You know, with the ease of information, the amount of resources available now, uh, you know, the amount of posts that you can find in in, any given day. I guess my question to you, is it a good impact? Is it a bad impact? Uh, is it in between?
1: (laughs) I think it's been, um, good for some, you know, the questions, the answer is always nuanced. I think it's been good for some bad for others. Uh, you know, it's, I think that overall people that are self-motivated are, are able to find more information than they used to be, than they used to have access to, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you think back to, uh, like pre Google, even um, you know where that's before my time. I mean, but um, you know that we didn't even have the ability to just like look up simple stuff. So right. I think that I think that now there is a lot more information out there. At the same time, it can create problems where people get mixed up in in trying to self diagnose and they create their own anxieties and problems too. Mm. So you know, there's there's a challenge. I mean it people walk in to a healthcare practitioner's office with with their diagnosis and they're not, <laughs> and they're not always right right you know i I, had a, I love the story of the woman last year who um she had a, a high hamstring tendinopathy and she just could have sworn it was sciatica because she already had sciatica uh, like 5 years prior mm-hmm. and she didn't trust me to the point that she went to see uh, like a, a neurologist like a back doctor and the doctor basically told her like you have a hamstring strain and she like, and this woman was kind of neurotic and, and um, I I think she ended up getting better, but she was not a very good patient. And she just, mm-hmm. it was like everything it was, it was really kind of bizarre. It was like everything that I told her, she questioned and she always had to look it up and back it up. And, you know, I think that the internet can um, I think it can make people, I think it can make like level-headed practical people more knowledgeable. I think it can make crazy mm-hmm. For lack of a better term, I think it can make kind of high-strung people more (laughs) high-strung. So uh, you really have to kind of be careful with um, who you follow and the information you consume and the roads that you go down. Because like even you or I can look something up, but we are knowledgeable enough that we would just know, we would just blow right past the bad information. And it wouldn't really phase us as much, like whereas other people have no idea. And they just start reading some article about how you know uh if you have back pain once you're destined for a life of a life of uh a sedentary life and you know and they and they just don't know any better and so mm-hmm. yeah oh man, uh <laughs> I think you have to look at the people that you're following's backgrounds, you know? So if the, if, if, if the only person that you're getting fitness information from is somebody on Instagram that just became a personal trainer last year after they were on the bachelor or the bachelorette, (laughs) I'm using that example because my, my wife watches that show sometimes. And she showed me some, she showed me some girl and she was like, you would hate this girl. And she, showed me, and she showed me this girl's Instagram and she like had just became a personal trainer after she got, anyways. Um, but I would say, you know, it's kind of common sense stuff. It's like, look at where this person came from, like figure out something about them. And then the other thing is, you know, with the age of information that we are in, more and more people like myself are putting some stuff that we spend more time on behind paywalls. And the reason is because if we don't, Next thing we can get caught up in allowing Instagram to be a full time job that doesn't pay any money. Okay. So <laughs> it's, you know, where part of uh, paying for something is that, like what you were saying, Andy, with the programs that you sell, you can get people to be buy- bought in more. They can be more engaged. You can also, and this doesn't apply for everything, there's always, you know, exceptions, but you can Filter. rest assured, exactly. You can rest assured that if you're paying for something from a professional, hopefully it's gotten a little more time and care put into it and you can reach out to that person you know uh, i've every single person that has ever bought something from me and reached out to me has gotten a thorough response in a very expedient amount of time you know whereas i have hundreds uh probably you know thousands of dms over the years that have not gotten responded to just because i can't spend an hour every night responding to them so, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I think that investing in yourself, seeing a professional too, you know, I have Andy, I'm sure you have some people like this. I have some people that like, they'll come see me. Like they're, they're like, they love working out and they get after it, but they get little tweaks. They come see me like two, three times a year, you know, just for like one little thing here or there. Like, Hey, my shoulder's been bothering me. I give them a few things. All right. I'll see you again in a couple months, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. I think that the, you know, people that are investing in themselves is uh are are seeing better benefits too. So those are those are kind of the two, you know, the two ways that I think that the average person who's just into fitness and exercise can um be more, you know, self-sufficient and educated.
0: Yeah, and and to add on to that, I mean, just like you were to go to a restaurant or somewhere else, you would research the heck of that place, right? Because before you spend money, you're going to be like, okay, what is this person saying? And you're not going to just go off the first review because the first review is going to be probably a five-star about whatever, whatever. And maybe the next two might be a four-star and then you have a three and then you kind of read and you'll go off the the average of what you see, right? uh, A lot of times with people, especially kind of like what you mentioned earlier, fear-mongering or just when you get somebody at the heat of just despair, someone has been... Having low back pain for a long time, and you tell them, "Hey, I'm having this Monday uh, Cyber Monday thing about uh, uh, I don't know anything compared to whatever." And at that moment, that person is like, "Okay, I'm gonna go for this." Rather than you know being an inform, uh, informed consumer, look at who that person is. What are they talking about? What's their track record? What are the other posts have they talked about? You know, maybe reach out to them and kind of get a feel of who they are before you are getting their information and, and running with it. Um, and like like Teddy me- uh, mentioned try to find somebody that you're working with or nearby that, um, you can talk to and have as a resource. Um, because there's nothing compared to having someone nearby. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good resources online. Um, but having that in person or having someone that can actually look at you, uh, I mean, telehealth is, is growing by the day, but even then, uh, you know, having someone that you can see that can see you and be like, okay, this is what's going on or whatever, whatever, and then make a decision. Then it's, 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 you know, being informed about it and don't just go off uh, your first impression, you know, do some research about the person and and what they have going on. So uh, I think that's my bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And I agree. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing as the mentorship conversation we're having earlier. It's like, you gotta, you know, think, think globally and think big picture and you can't help but be connected to these people across the world, uh, through the internet across the country. But at the same time, a lot of times the best way to take action is, is locally, you know, with, mm-hmm. with, uh, within your, within driving distance with, you know, a face-to-face conversation. I mean, there's, there's really no replacing that.
0: Tim, did you have anything else to add on to that? Tim is gone. No. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, I don't know if you had anything else to say, Tim, now. No. Yes. No. Um, What do I want to add on to this? (laughs) Social media impact on healthcare. I mean, yeah, I think we hit it right on the head. I think mean, there's a lot of information out there. I think for the people that's motivated, it's going to be really good for them, and 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 for other people that don't, you know, they don't really know what to do informa- with information and just overloaded with with this information and don't know how to make a decision from there. Uh, I mean, Doctor Google at its best a lot of times. Uh, Strikes a uh, interesting conversation, but a lot of times is there as a resource. Uh, and we, like we talked about, be an informed consumer, have somebody uh, locally that you can um, at least have a conversation with um, and if you build a great relationship with them that you start to you know actually work with them. And it doesn't have to be uh, every week, you know like Teddy mentioned, having somebody that you can confine and be like, hey, like I have this going on and they give you a, you know a really good pointers or maybe some lifestyle modification for you. And then, uh, you know, you're on your way until you have a little bit uh, or another episode, because we're not machines. We are human beings. And even if you take care of yourself uh, to the maximum, you're still going to have certain things uh, or, should I say, some uh, aches and pains along the way. And a lot of times I think people, for lack of either confidence or just they don't want to they don't find somebody that, you know, they can value spending money uh, on they wait. And they wait to the point of like emergency, like, hey, my hamstring ripped off my bone. Uh, rather than, you know, going back to the lady that you were talking about having this pain, right? You go to somebody that understands the human body, understands and, and not only understand the human body and doesn't uh, and, and creates a program for you. Not just, you know, here's a couple of things and see you in two weeks. Someone that, that is going to deliberately spend the time necessary uh, in order to see that you progress forward. With that, uh, with that note, uh, you know, what's a good way for the audience and the listeners to reach out to you, Teddy?
1: Yeah, so my Instagram is strengthcoachtherapy. It's uh, mm-hmm. all one word, strengthcoachtherapy. And um, citizenathletics.com is a good way to find out more about some of the online uh, content and stuff that I have.
0: Perfect. And I'll make sure to uh, you should see at the bottom of the show notes here uh, both the link to uh, Teddy's uh, Instagram page and also Citizens Athletics for those of you that are interested in any of the programs he has to offer. And I highly recommend uh, at at least taking a look. You never know what you can take away from um, having that opportunity to speak to a resource such as Teddy and his team. So I highly recommend that. Um the next thing was I did ask Teddy for a couple book recommendations. Um and I'm gonna name a few. And Teddy, if you can kind of give us just like a short uh reason why you picked them and uh and go from there. So the first one being currently on uh well oh, that was what you said, currently on a nonfiction kick. The other one's a whole new mind by Daniel Pink. Uh what is that? Whole new mind.
1: Oh man, so so a whole new mind is about kind of a a change in the the way the world views skill sets. And the basic idea is right versus left brain. And you know, at a point in time, we were developing all these new ideas, like how do we make cars more uh, fuel efficient? How do we um, build houses for cheaper, you know, and uh, how do we how do we get food to more people for less pricing? So anyway, so we had all these like objective goals and the expansion of our world. And you know, this is probably from like the 1950s up to early 2000s. And then now what's happening is the, the ideas that are being valued and that are more important aren't these like, it's not like objective thinkers. It's not computer programmers. It's not, it's not these, uh, you know, engineers because we have a lot of that stuff figured out. And so now it's, there's more creativity involved in it. It's like, how can we do things differently? How can, you know, Apple's a perfect example. It's like they didn't create the touchscreen, but they made the best one and it's like mm-hmm. how can we how you know with the iPhone and like how can we redesign things to work better for people you know like we are we've had delivery food ever since we were little kids but now people are getting delivery in different ways and they're getting delivery groceries and it's like the whole new mind is about systems and processes and and like the idea of of incorporating your left brain and, and creativity into it and i just found it to be a really interesting book and the next one was atomic
0: habits james clear
1: yeah, man, this is just another nonfiction. It's it's kind of like a self-help, and it's just a good, uh, good way to kind of think about setting goals and and again processes and you know being a, a multi business owner. Uh, I my life runs on on habit and systems, and uh, I'm always trying to get better at them. and And when I listen to and read books like that, it really helps me. What do
0: you mean they didn't teach you business systems and operations <laughs> in
1: PT school? Absolutely, what? absolutely not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, and that's something that I'm currently learning more and more every day, especially as a business owner. It's, it's, it's learning that, right? It's learning the the systems approach, it's learning how to create, you know, because um, I think anyone that goes into business is very creative, right? But the hard part is getting whatever's in your head out into some type of live document or information so that when you hire somebody or at least an admin, they understand kind of like what's in that crazy head of ours, I would say. Um, so one of those things that I've been working on the last few months is that is creating systems, creating tasks, creating operations. Um, because you know a big part of our business, I know for me, I'm practitioner first. Like I'm, I mean, if I can just work with people 24 seven, that's what I like to do. But the other side of that is to make sure that the business is running. And a big part of that is like what you mentioned. So, um, yeah, and I recommend, I mean, even if you don't own your own clinic or you don't, don't own your own thing, I think. Getting into the habit of creating or being more effective with your time, uh, whether it's at home, the way you clean or the way you, uh, I don't know, change your oil. I think creating little processes and little systems to make things effective not only, not only creates a habit of being more effective with the time that you have, but it, it allows you to work with people at a better um, perspective, which is another part to that. So, um, yeah, so I, I recommend that. Um, cool. So this next part, um, we'll talk about is what we, is what we call speed round or Tim likes to call uh, rapid fire. Uh, unfortunately Tim had, uh, he can't really hear us that well, but I know he can hear me, but anyways, uh, so rapid fire or speed round is basically Teddy, where I ask you a few questions here and then, uh, whatever comes to the top of your head, you fire away. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So the first question is your greatest
1: fear. Oh man, everything, all of, all of the technology and systems just like falling apart, <laughs> you know, like,
0: sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's kind of like Terminator, just like, or, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's like world of worlds. Yeah. Everything is coming. <laughs> Fair enough. That's, that is scary. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I think about all the time I have an Alexa in the room, she probably turned on right now, uh, is she's hearing my every word, but I also use her a lot. I'm sure one day she's going to have a full blown conversation with me and just I, yeah that's just this <laughs> scary. Uh next thing, one thing you can live without. Can live without.
1: I can live without um pizza.
0: Really? Wow. <laughs> so with that being said, your favorite food, what is it?
1: Ham, burger and fries, man.
0: Bur- from where? Is it like homemade uh, or like you like for a nah, specific nah. like
1: a like a like a restaurant burger and fries, not like a fast food.
0: Is there a restaurant that you is it like your go to when you're feeling for a, ham- <laughs> a hamburger and, uh, and fries?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a dive oh. bar near me called Quarry House, which that makes a, a real good burger.
0: <laughs> OK, uh, last movie you saw.
1: Last movie I saw. Oh, man, what was the last movie I saw?
0: It could be in the movie theaters, going to be on oh, Netflix, man. it to be on Hulu. And I'm not
1: I'm not good at speed rounds, Andy. I'm, I know that's I'm it's panicking. what it's made for. Right, right. <laughs> when was the last movie I saw? I honestly don't even know, man. I haven't watched a movie in a while.
0: No worries. Uh last question for all the fanatics. Uh favorite
1: superhero. Uh I'll go Batman.
0: Batman. Okay. Yeah. You know, Batman and Superman are like the prime time ones that people pick. And then for women is usually Wonder, Wonder Woman or, yeah, I think Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, all right. So this last part is really where I give thanks. Uh, there's three thank yous I always like to give. And the first one goes to you, Teddy. You know, I can't thank you enough for, you know, taking the time. Uh, there's a lot going on in your schedule, a lot going on on your end. So for you to take the time uh, to jump on the podcast, to give the listeners some value, some some education, not only for uh for us too. I mean, I know me and Tim have learned a lot, uh, through, uh, this episode. So, uh, thank you very much for taking the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me.
0: The second uh, second thank you goes to our listeners. You can be listening or you know doing anything at this moment, uh, but you took the time to listen to this episode with uh, with Teddy. So thank you very much uh, for giving us this platform to uh, you know spread some more information, spread some more knowledge, um, and again do something that we uh, love to do. So thank you very much to the listeners. And the last thank you goes to our clients, goes to our patients, goes to those people that we get to work with um, on a daily basis, even if it's online. Um, you know, thank you for giving us the opportunity to share our skills, to share our passion and to value what we have to offer. So thank you very much uh, for those people uh, that give us that opportunity. And with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing up. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, and see you on the next episode.